0: as we follow our hearts in relation to those relationships. But where are our hearts in relation to the Lord? You see, I firmly believe this morning that when we get off track with the Lord, it's because our hearts have first gotten off track with the Lord. And as I began to research this, as I began to study this more in depth, I began to look at the heart in detail. See, when you and I hear the heart, we oftentimes think about this great muscle that we have, amen? This organ, I think. That we, is it an organ? Is the heart an organ? Anybody remember from science class? It's an organ, amen? It's the most important organ. I think it's also a muscle, isn't it? It's both. Now, as I began to look at this old fleshly heart, there were some very, very interesting things that I saw about the heart. Did you know that the heart contracts almost 100,000 times a day in a 24-hour period? It contracts a little over 4,000 times every hour. And all of the blood in your body goes through your heart every four minutes. No wonder every time you go to the doctor he's trying to get you to focus more on your heart. Amen? You think that old greasy food you're eating doesn't affect you? Well, if all your blood goes to your heart every four minutes, I would say it's affecting you big time. Amen? And I like bacon. And I get an amen in the house this morning. But we put a lot of focus on our old fleshly human hearts. But when we see it from a biblical perspective when God begins to talk about the heart it's quite a different thing that God is talking about he's not talking about this all important organ but instead he's talking about the very seat of everything that you are your knowledge your wisdom your emotions the very hidden part of of us, when God talks about that, He is talking about your heart. And, church, I want to tell you this morning, we should know exactly where our hearts are in relation to the Lord. Amen. Y'all ready to get into this this morning? Come on, give Him a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Y'all bear with me as I roll through some of these verses this morning. If I start talking too fast, y'all tell me to slow down, Brother Joey. Amen? Amen, all two of you that are worried about that. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Thank you, little Paul. I appreciate that, brother. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll be looking starting off at verse 6. Saul had been rejected of the Lord. He had started out actually being anointed. We know that Saul was not God's choice. But instead, the people said, give us a king, give us a king. And he said, you do not need a king right now, for the king is going to put you in bondage. It's going to be all about himself. He's going to cause you to go to war. He's going to cause you to do all these things. They said, we want a king, we want a king. So we know that Saul was anointed, and we know that Saul had a very rough kingship, amen. He had a very rough reign. Sometimes he was actually anointed by the Lord. He was prophesying, and he was doing all these things. And then other times... He was actually completely out of the will of the Lord. But we know that Saul had completely moved out of the will of the Lord. And the Lord said, I will not anoint you anymore and I will take my grace. I will take my presence from you and I will give it unto another. And Samuel, the prophet at the time, the man of God, was called to go and find this other person. And this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 16. Six. He had told Samuel, I want you to go into the little town of Bethlehem and I want you to go unto a man named Jesse and he has a family there and he is a godly man and he has a son that I have called to be your king. And we know that Samuel went there and this is where we pick up in verse 6. And it says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. So we see the first son coming unto him, and we see Samuel, the man of God, looking upon this other man. And he sees probably that he's good looking, probably he's tall, probably he's fit. He looks like a warrior. In fact, in our eyes, he is probably perfect ...for this position. Church, I want to tell you, this is oftentimes how you and I look at one another. Are we dressed properly? Do they look like us? Do they think like us? Oftentimes, I want to tell you in our churches, we don't really want the people that are hurting, the people that are dying, the people that are suffering, the people that need God's provision and God's help. Oftentimes, in our churches, what we want is people that look and talk and act like you and I. Oftentimes, what we really want is clones of ourselves. Can I get an amen? But God doesn't look on the outward appearance it tells us that God alone looks at the heart. And verse 7 says this, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And all of you know the story. I want to show you something funny there. Y'all want to see something funny? It says this in verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. (laughs) He didn't say him. He calls him a this. All right, y'all don't think that's funny, my Lord. Come on, y'all. He says, neither have I chosen this, my Lord. But there was a young man, probably by the age of 15 to 19. And he kept his father's sheep. You see, he wasn't even there that day because he was out being a shepherd, protecting the sheep. And I don't have to read the rest of the story to you, but we know that he goes through all of the sons of Jesse... And none of them were chosen by the Lord. And he says, do you have any other? And he says, yes, I do. David is my youngest, amen. And he is out with those sheep. And he said, bring them unto me. And when David come in, he looked like just a little, probably 15 to 19 year old boy. The rest of them were grown men. They were actually soldiers. I won't get into the whole story, but we know they go off to war and they fight Goliath. And he brings them some food. They fight the the uh, Philistines, and they brings them some food, and when he comes and he hears them, he hears Goliath actually bad-mouthing the Lord. It says that righteous anger begins to build in this boy, and God anoints him to take down the giant. Amen? You see, God doesn't need your ability. He wants your availability. God had already looked on this young man's heart and saw that he was a man after God's own heart. Now, I want to tell you something, church. The Bible has very clear things to tell you and I about our hearts before we come to the Lord. It tells us in Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Very powerful verses there that is talking about of all the things that we have in this universe, of all the evil, of all these different things that we have, it tells us that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can even know your heart? Now, I think we all can look back when we lived in sin when we did not know the Lord, when all we had is the lust for our belly, and whatever fulfilled this flesh, whatever it was, everybody's got their own vices, whatever it was, that's all we cared about. The Bible tells us that our hearts are bent from the fall in the garden, amen, and every child, every little baby boy, every little baby girl that's born is born with that original sin, and you and I have this old deceitful and hard heart. That is within us. This is the condition of our hearts. But the Bible also tells us that whenever we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you and I receive a new heart. In fact, let's look at that in a little more detail this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. James would go as far as to say in the first chapter of James, he would tell us that sin is actually whenever we become to lust for something, whether the eye see it, the flesh wants it, Or whatever it may be, we begin to lust after that thing. And whenever we actually fulfill it, it says that sin is birthed out of you and I. In James chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, it tells us this in detail. But I want to tell you that your lust, your jealousy, all those things that you act out on from time to time, that's not coming from anywhere else, but coming from your own heart. It's coming from your own heart. It is the place where it initiates. It is the place where it starts, where it begins. How many of us know that the heart wants what it wants? Amen. How many times have we looked at people or known people that were in love and we said, How can she love him? He's this, this, and that. How can he love her? She's that. How can they love this? Church, we don't know the answers to all those things. But I want to tell you, in relation to love, the heart wants what it wants. Amen? We have to make sure that we keep our hearts in a right and proper and healthy place before the Lord. Amen? We can't let our hearts go astray. Because if our hearts begin to go astray and go off into sin, go off into this, then our bodies are going to go off into that. Amen? And we're going to flee from the presence of the Lord. And I want to tell you this morning, when you are living in sin, God is not going to bless you living in that sin. Did y'all hear me this morning? Well, Brother Joy, does that mean that I'm not saved? Church, I don't know that. This is what I personally believe. I personally believe that it's very, very hard to get to a place and position where you're not saved anymore. I don't believe in unconditional, eternal security. I do believe that God saves us. He keeps us. Amen. He loves us. He draws us back. I believe all those things. I think it's very, very hard to lose your salvation. I'm not talking about you run out in sin in five minutes and you're not going to be saved anymore. But I believe there have been people that have truly walked away from the Lord. Fifteen, twenty years later, they're still living in sin. They're so far away from God, amen. And I don't know if they're truly saved anymore. They don't even believe in God anymore, amen. I believe there can come to a point where you're not saved anymore. You have walked away from that relationship with the Lord. I think it probably takes a very, very long time to get there, amen. But I believe it can happen. In fact, we see some people in the Bible. What about Solomon? Amen? I don't know if we're going to see Solomon when we get up to heaven. I was talking about earlier. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Amen? But I believe there can come a point in time where you are not saved anymore. But I want to tell you where it starts and where it begins is in your heart. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Amen? Amen? A little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. Let's look at this salvation experience, amen, of what God has truly done to our hearts. Everybody in the Gospel of John chapter 3, amen? Amen. If you don't have your Bibles this morning, they'll put it on the screen for you. We're going to start off at verse 1. John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, I I love this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice here, Nicodemus comes to him seeking knowledge, seeking how he's doing these great works, basically saying... I know you're a great teacher. I know you know how to do all these things. I know you know how to do that. In fact, I want to know how you're doing all these things. I want to probably be able to do them myself. I want to know these things. But Jesus, as oftentimes people have said, cut to the chase, amen. He didn't hear what he wanted. It wasn't important right then. What Jesus wanted to tell him was the most important thing. Saying, I want to tell you this right now. You want this knowledge. You want that wisdom. But I want to tell you something that's more important right now that you need to know and you need to know this. If you are not born again, you shall not receive everlasting life. You shall not see the kingdom of heaven. This is the most important thing in your life right now. This is what you need to hear. Don't focus on the works. Don't focus on the power. You focus on the power that's going to work unto you. And I want to tell you, you have to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. Amen. Verse 4, Nicodemus says unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus answers like we all would answer. I have no idea what you're talking about. How can a grown man enter into his mother's womb again and be born once more? It's not physically possible for this to occur. But church, I want to tell you something. When you read the Word of God, amen, God oftentimes is not talking about the natural. He's talking about the supernatural. Hallelujah. God works in the supernatural. God says, I'm not limited by anything that you're limited by, amen? I am the Lord God who created you. I created this earth. I created this universe. I created all things. The wind does not even blow unless I allow it, amen? I am the supernatural God, hallelujah. You need to hear that, Nicodemus. You need to understand that. You need to know that, that I can do supernatural things. You need to start seeing me as the God, hallelujah, that can do supernatural things. Not just natural things, but the supernatural. I can work miracles. I can heal. I can save to the uttermost. I can take that sin, hallelujah, out of your life. I can give you a new heart. Church, you believe that this morning? I can give you a new heart. A heart that maybe doesn't beat right now for the things of God. Let me tell you something. When I was unsaved, my a lot of you knew me. I see Brother he's sitting here. He knew me. I could care less about God. All I cared about was Joey. But now... Hallelujah, that's all I think about. It's all I want to do is help others see God, know God, experience God. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. Hallelujah. In the best possible way. Not with a yoke of bondage, but a yoke of love. Hallelujah. He's taken my heart that was selfish and was greedy and full of sin, and he's replaced it with a new heart. Church, you believe that your affections right now, this is oftentimes why we get so caught up in sin. Y'all hearing me this morning? This is why we get caught up in sin. This is what we normally do as believers. We say something like this, God took this, this, and that away, but you know what, I've still struggled with this and this, and and you know what, He's never going to take that away. He's never just going to take them out of my life. Church, that's not the right way to think as believers, as children. God can save and deliver you to the uttermost. Come on, give him some praise, hallelujah. He's able. Our God is able, hallelujah. And verse 5 says this, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now there's a specific reason that Jesus told him this. All of us in here have first been born of water, amen. When the woman's water breaks, amen, the fluid there that protects the child, it's time for the child to come forth, the embryonic fluid, amen. Every one of us that are sitting here today has been born of a woman. Therefore, we have first been born of water. But hallelujah, he's saying to them here, in order to enter into the kingdom of God, You have to first be born of water, which we have been. You've been born into these lives. We have these lives. We're born with original sin. But you also have to be born of the Spirit. You have to be born of that supernatural work that I am talking about. You have to be born of both. Amen? Verse 6, he tends to explain this in a little more detail. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Church, thank the Lord for that, my Lord. He goes on to say this in verse 7. Marvel not that I said this unto you, that you must be born again. For the wind blows where it listeth, and you don't hear the sound. But can you not tell from which it comes and where it goes? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So he gives him intimate knowledge, intimate detail here of what must occur for us to have everlasting life, to go into eternity, the salvation experience. Church, I want to tell you this. Whenever you ask the Lord to come into your heart, to be Lord and Savior of your life, and you repented of your sins, as we see in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and you confess with your mouth and you believed in your heart, God made you into a new creation, you were born again. Well, Brother Joey, how did this happen? Well, it tells us in Romans chapter 6, the first 12 verses. It tells us in explicit detail there. It tells us that we were baptized, which means to be immersed. We were immersed into the body of Christ. Therefore, if I was immersed into the body of Christ, I was crucified with Christ. It says all this in Romans chapter 6, that I was crucified with Christ. So when Christ was crucified on the cross for sins, the sinful Joey, the sinful you, was also crucified on the cross for sins. And whenever Christ was dead and buried in the tomb, the sinful you was also dead and buried in the tomb. But through the power of God, hallelujah, that sin, death, hell, and the grave had no power over Him, it tells us that Christ rose again to newness of life. And now because you and I are in Jesus Christ, we have also risen again to newness of life. Therefore, you and I are new creations in Christ Jesus. Come on, I ain't making this up. Go read Romans chapter 6. You'll see it in detail. You've been baptized into Christ. You've been crucified with him. You've risen again to newness of life. The Bible goes as far as to tell us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, therefore, which means because of, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Church, hallelujah, we don't just get a new body. We don't just get a new mindset, hallelujah. We get a source that it comes from. You and I have now received a new heart from the Lord, hallelujah. Give Him some praise on that. We got a new heart. It was deceitful, and it was desperately wicked above all things. But God gave me a new heart. He gave you a new heart if you saved this morning. Who's saved of the Lord today? Come on, hallelujah! You got a new heart. You have a new heart today. If you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. But how many of us also know that even though I'm saved, even though I'm redeemed, I mess up from time to time? I do. I probably done messed up several times a day and I don't even know it sometimes. Amen? We mess up. Is it right? Absolutely not. Does it separate us from God's blessings? I didn't say salvation. Yes, it does. God's not going to bless you in your sin, church. Y'all hear me today? Your little pet sins and we all got them. God is not going to bless you in your pet sins. I had a man tell me one time, "I was born with an anger. God's just going to have to put up with my anger." Church, no, we don't. It don't work that way. Read the book. God don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's got to change is you and me. God don't change. We're either going as a, my basketball coach used to tell me when I played in junior high. It's either going to be my way or my way. He didn't say the highway. It's my way or my way. God says it that way. It's going to be His way or His way. Church, He's not going to bless you in your sins. Stop thinking that way. Stop thinking that with your little pet sins. He is not going to bless you. If you've got re- those repetitive sins, you just keep doing over and over and over again. Don't think it can happen with this new heart? Let's look at a situation. Turn them in your Bibles to Psalms 51, the book of Psalms 51. We just talked about little old David. Amen. You know what happened to little old David? Little old David grew up to be a king, and he was called the only man in the Word of God that was called a man after God's own heart. Israel had never been more blessed than in his 40-year reign. Amen, he died at 70, he became king at around 30. It's about 40 years that David reigned. But how many of us know that David got off into a sin? You know what happened to David? David stopped doing what God called him to do. David was a warrior. David was a fighter. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. Amen, I, I think David wrote a lot of that, amen, when he's probably out in battle. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. David decided to hang out in the palace and be a little lazy in his walk with the Lord. Amen? David goes up on the top of his palace and he sees Bathsheba over there bathing. Now, I'm not getting a little bad here with you, but David had several wives and he already had several children. I seriously doubt that David saw a woman bathing and he just went crazy. I think it was orchestrated. See Uriah was one of David's mighty men. David had these mighty men that did. Great. some of them killed like three or four hundred people by themselves. Go look in the list in second Samuel towards the end. I think it's chapter 25 or so. talks about David's mind. They did great and mighty things. One time they broke into Bethlehem just to get David a drink of water out of the well because he grew up there. And they fought back the army just to bring David. They were mighty men of God. Uriah is listed in that mighty men. David knew Uriah, and he knew him very well. So I think David also knew Bathsheba very well. But he had saw her, and he began to think on that situation. He began to dwell on that situation. And something began to happen in David's heart first before he acted out in the flesh. He calls her to the palace. We all know the story. And he lays with her. He brings Uriah. She becomes with child. He brings Uriah and he tries to get him drunk and everything else, but the Lord's not having none of it. Thank the Lord that he doesn't allow us to cover up our sins. Finally, he has Uriah killed. He says, put him in the front in the very heat of battle. Of course, Joab is a man of war. All he wanted to do was fight and kill. Joab's like, I'll do whatever you want as long as we keep fighting. Uriah is killed. And we know that Nathan the prophet comes into the king. He tells the story, the parable about the long sheep, about the rich man who had many sheep. And this man had only one little sheep, and he raised it, and he loved it, and he cared for it, and he nurtured it. And when the guests came into town, he kills that one sheep, but that man had only one and gave it unto him. Church, who was the guest that come into town? You know who it was? Sin in our hearts. It was another man, the sinful man, that had began to rule and reign again that was back. You all hear me? Nathan looks at the king and says, You the man. David went into turmoil. We know that the child actually dies. David fasts for seven days and the child still passes away. There's a repercussion for that sin. But here we see David in turmoil spiritually. See, this is what the 51st Psalm is really about. It's about a man who let his heart become far from the Lord. All of us should always know where our hearts are at with the Lord. You ever notice how much we guard our hearts? Come on, we don't even tell our spouses some stuff. You ever notice that? We guard our hearts with everything. It's the very deepest part of who we really are. But as the Bible already told us in Jeremiah 17 and 10, God alone searches the heart. Church, He knows your heart even better than you do. He already knows. He already knows. Psalm 51 and verse 7, David would say with a broken heart, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Church, does it sound like this man is in spiritual turmoil? You ever been here just just crying out to the Lord? Just crying out to God? Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And verse 10 says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, this is a man that's already saved. This is a man that's already went through the born-again experience we see in John chapter 3. This is a man that already has received a new heart, new affections, New desires, new lust, new everything. But he had somewhere along the line allowed his heart to become to where it wanted to do these sins, it wanted to do these things, and it had cast him from the very presence of God. Church, you ever felt like you couldn't hear God anymore? Church, I want to tell you, if you've walked close to Him, it is a frightening place to be. One of my biggest fears in life it's not that I would die and go to hell or anything like that I know I'm saved it's that I will be out of the will of God I'm terrified of that terrified Church I am the type of person I walk I try and walk so close to the Lord I'd be like a raven lunatic within uh, 2 weeks I'd be out on the I'd be completely nuts If I couldn't feel God, I couldn't hear God. It would drive me crazy. I think this is where David was. Now, notice what David says here. David doesn't say, give me a new heart. He says, create in me a clean heart. So what he's saying right here is, you've already given me a new heart, but my heart right now is filthy. See, I got off into this sin. And because of that, I can't feel your presence. I can't feel your blessings. Lord, I'm living in sin right now, Lord God. Lord, I need you to cleanse me. I need you to wash me. I need you to make me whole. Thank the Lord that he tells us if we confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible goes as far as to say that he will take your sin and he'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. My Lord, hallelujah, that's wonderful to think about. That's what David was asking for right here. Look, verse 11. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your spirit. Church, he's talking about relationship. You ever notice how crazy it is? I don't know. Maybe you and your spouse aren't close. When me and my wife have an argument, it drives me nuts. I can't hardly sleep. I can't hardly think. I don't know what it does to her. She probably don't care. No, I don't know. You want to cry, don't you? And you're not going to give in. You're not going to say, oh, I'm sorry. It's my fault. You're too prideful for that, aren't you? Is that just me that does that? The only human being in the house? I know I'm right. Yeah, keep being right. And the distance is going to keep getting further and further away. It hits at the very pit of you, don't it? Something is not right. But God tells us if we'll repent, He'll wash us and cleanse us from that. Church, he, He'll He'll forget it. Well, Brother Joey, this all sounds so horrible, Amen. <laughs> What's the answer? Well, I'm glad you asked, amen. Turn them in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. And I'll finish with this. Come on, I won't keep you too long today. I said I wasn't going to keep you the whole time. Y'all should have known that wasn't true. (laughs) Preacher starts preaching, amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. Come on, we're going to break this down with some simplicity this morning. Who in the house knows this morning that we serve a simple God, amen? The Bible says, even a way-wearing stranger cannot err in the ways thereof. The Bible doesn't have to be complicated unto us, amen? God wrote it because He loves us. For us to study, amen, to hear from God. This is one of the primary ways that we have relationship with the Lord, is through His Word, amen? Through His Word. The Bible tells us this in relation to God keeping and protecting our hearts. You see, what you need to know this morning, how to protect your heart from going astray with the Lord, the key thing you need to know this morning is that you don't protect your heart from going astray. God keeps your heart. Amen? And how much of a risk, how much of a gamble is it for us to let someone else have our hearts? How long did it take for you and your spouse to be as close as you are now? Probably years as you each both gave a little bit more of your hearts to one another until your whole universe is with that other person. See, God wants us to do the same thing with Him on a much more grander scale than these earthly relationships we have with one another. And they are great, they're wonderful the relationships you have with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your friends, with your family, all those things, they're great relationships, but they're not even close to the relationship we have with the Lord. God wants us to truly trust Him with our hearts. Our past, our present, our future, our eternity. It all rests in the Lord. Come on, y'all hearing me today? Mm, Come on, it's good preaching this morning. It says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I mentioned this to you before. The word rejoice doesn't just mean to praise, it literally means that the praise is so great, so strong inside of you that you have to open your mouth and it has to be audible. Like, hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Thank you, Lord Jesus! That I look crazy? It's okay. We rejoice, amen? I didn't do it for you. I did it for the Lord. You know where rejoicing comes from? The heart. That's why worship has to come from the heart. Come on, we can get up and play instruments and sing songs. It sounds great sometimes. Sometimes maybe it don't. But unless it comes from the heart... It's not going to be anointed, amen? It's just the facts. How many great singers have you seen on American Idol and all them other crazy shows? Boy, they can sing sing so great, so wonderful. I always can't help but think when I see and hear I'm like, my Lord, that would be fantastic if they were worshiping. Amen. Yeah. It has to come from the heart, amen? Preaching like I'm trying to do to you this morning, it has to come from the heart. I couldn't just get up here and memorize scriptures and kind of tell you some stories. It's going to come off and be like, that was pretty good information. But when it comes from the heart, you can say, that young man really believed what he was saying. And I believe God was speaking through him to me. You know, he's talking to you today had a sister at work one time she told me she said uh you know she didn't go to church and I was always witnessing to her all the time and she said uh I don't never go to church because I always feel like the preacher's talking to me <laughs> I looked there and I said he is talking to you <laughs> she said you think he's talking directly to me I said yeah I do. I mean that. God's speaking to you today. About your heart. About your heart, church. Verse 5 says this, Let your moderation be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. Church, moderation is such an important thing in our life, amen? That we don't get overzealous for certain things. We don't do certain things. We don't get too far into this, too far into that. The Apostle Paul would go as far as to say is, I have learned to be content in whatever the Lord has me doing. Now, church, I want to tell you, that's a hard place to be. I'm still not there, amen? I'm still not there, but the Lord's working on my heart. Verse 6 says this, Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything, is what he's trying to say. But in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication simply means lifting up your needs specifically to the Lord. Everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And verse 7 says this, And the peace of God which passes all understanding. My Lord, I could preach on that for about two hours. The peace of God which passes all human understanding, church. God's peace the storms raging around you life's happening here this is going on, that's going on you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you don't know when you're going to lose this, you don't know if your child's going to be healed, you don't know anything you don't know none of that, it's like a hurricane just going all around you and you can't stop it, you can't slow it down, you don't know who to ask for help but the Bible tells us that God will never leave us nor forsake us and even though it's a hurricane going around us and death's chasing us down, amen, even though it's happening all around us, God tells us that we can have peace in the midst of the storm. Because God alone gives this peace. And it surpasses all human understanding. Well, Brother Joey, how can this be? Church, I don't know. But if God says it, I believe it. Not here. Here. Therefore, my speech, my emotions, my thoughts, my trust, my faith, is all going to represent that because it comes from my heart. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ now this word keep here literally means a fortress not just any fortress but layers see whenever they would invade like a castle a fortress they would have the outer wall they would have an inner wall then they would have another inner wall. And the Bible gives us this illustration that God shall keep our minds and our hearts. You don't keep your heart. God keeps your heart, and he keeps it protected in the very innermost place to where the fiery darts come, this happens, that happens, the forces are trying to take it down, the enemy's trying to grab it, the enemy's trying to steal it, but they cannot overcome it because God is keeping your heart in this safe and secure and proper place. Well, Brother Joy, what do I have to do? I have to pray. I have to give my supplications to the Lord. I have to rejoice. I have to let my moderation be known unto all men. I have to do all those things. The Bible does tell us those things. But Brother Joy, what is the Lord really trying to tell me here? Church, he's talking about relationship. Do you confide in your wife? Do you talk to the people you're close to? Do you share some things with them? Do you trust them? Do you love them? Of course you do. Because that's what you do in a relationship. God is saying, put my relationship first and foremost in your life. Trust me. Love me. Have communion. Talk to me. Pray unto me. Lift up your burdens unto me. Let's have some fellowship. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, I'll come in unto you and I will sup with you and you with me. I'll come in and I'll sit down at your table. And we'll have relationship. And when we have that relationship, that trust, that faith, that belief, I will guard your heart. And you don't have to worry about your heart going astray because I'll guard it and I'll keep you, child, if you will let me. Church, is that us this morning? Come on, would you stand with us today? May to ask the worship team to come back for a few moments this morning? I want to tell you this morning, believers, if you're tired of struggling, you're tired of going astray, it's happening first in your heart. You get your heart right with the Lord, and He'll keep you, amen? He'll keep your hearts. I don't know where you're at this morning. I know the Lord gave us this word, this message Come on, it's an on-time word, amen. What more appropriate, as we get just a little bit closer to Valentine's Day, the day that we're supposed to tell people that we love them, that we cherish them, that we need them. What better to come unto the Lord and tell the Lord that tenfold? To give the Lord your heart. Maybe you heard the gospel preached today. Like you haven't heard it before and it pricked your heart. And you say, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. I don't know if I've ever given the Lord my heart. But today, I want to do that. I want to be born again. Hallelujah. Oh, would you come this morning? Come on, these altars are open if you just want to... Come and seek the Lord today. Maybe you just want to begin to speak to Him. You want to pray unto the Lord. You need some alone time with the Lord. These altars are open for you today. Maybe today is the day you give your heart unto the Lord once and for all. Would you come today? Oh, as they begin to play and sing, would you come unto the Lord with your heart today in Jesus' name?
1: change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. change right